Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you so you can create a better tomorrow. Hey there, it's Michael, and welcome back or welcome to the Kintsugi Podcast. It's time for another conversation about resilience. And today we're gonna focus in on our breath as a way to become more resilient. As you know, if you've listened to the Kintsugi Podcast and pause, breathe, reflect, you know how important I feel our breath is. It's something that we take for granted. And considering what we've been through over the last 20 months, from COVID to wildfires to economic uncertainty, It feels like it's very difficult to catch our breath, to slow everything down. We're in this constant state of fight, flight, or freeze. Well, our guest today, Dr. Amy Novotny, runs the PABR Institute. And her whole focus as a PhD in physical therapy, she, through her own personal journey, found the power of the breath to come out of fight, flight, and into more of that parasympathetic nervous system response, the rest and digest, in order to perform better in her sport as an endurance athlete, but most importantly, help others deal with their pain and their their issues that brought them to Dr. Amy. So this is a deep dive into how we can change how we breathe. Again, something that we take for granted. So she's going to walk us through how we can breathe better so we can perform better and become more resilient. So I encourage you to grab a pen, a piece of paper, if you will, to jot down some notes as Amy offers up some beautiful gems and sit back and listen to how we can all breathe a little bit better together. I hope you liked the interview. Good to see you. Welcome to the Kintsugi Podcast. I can't wait to talk to you about resilience. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited, as always, to share and connect. Awesome. So we're going to talk about breathing and resilience and your athletic career and just your overall story. But before we get into all that, the question I ask all our guests is to define resilience. So how would you define resilience? So for me, it's about... It's about coming back from something or being challenged by something and coming back or overcoming so that you gain a sense of stability all over again for we're always we're always faced with a lot of different situations and our ability to go through those hard times and come back just as good, if not better, that's a sign of resilience. And it could be a messy journey along the way. It's okay to be messy. You learn more when life is messy. But the ability to actually grow from that experience and gain skills, to me, that's the highest form of resilience. I love that. I love that. So I know you're probably familiar with uh, the phrase, no mud, no lotus. Right now, we're in a muddy 19, 20 months. I 
firmly believe that some of our best growth comes from all those muddy, sticky, icky moments. And if we can find a way to pedal through them, slog through them, run through them, whatever verb we want to choose, we end up having some pretty incredible growth from that. Absolutely. And part part of resilience is that it's going to be okay and using that to bolster your emotional fortitude to get you through that. It's a very useful skill to have. Yeah, I think that's the key. I love what you just said because I think a lot of folks don't realize when they may realize they're in a muddy moment, but they can't appreciate it as an environment that will yield some growth. They just see it as mud and they want to try to escape from it as opposed to trying to sit in it a little bit longer and like sort of pull from it or harvest from it all the juice, all the goodness. So let's get into a little bit of your story. So I, you can take it wherever you wish to take it from, but certainly we'll end up where you currently are with P-A-B-R. And I'll let you explain what that acronym stands for and the work that you're currently doing. But your life journey is is an amazing one. It's It's all connected, as we talked about before we hit record here. So I'd love for you to share your life story, your journey with our listeners. Sure, absolutely. I'll start with a little bit of my schooling. I was fascinated with biology. I did a project in ecology, got it published, but then I realized how much I loved human beings and switched to a doctoral program in physical therapy. And I graduated top of my class there and then went into sports orthopedics, some chronic pain, all outpatient stuff. And I did traditional physical therapy for about five years. And at the time I started getting into running, started getting into photography, started dabbling into more interests. Because when you're in grad school, life is just school, study, school, study. And so I started branching out into, okay, what else do I like to do? I've always been very fascinated with life. And then about five years after I graduated, I became a director of a clinic. And I also started diving into asymmetries in our body that lead to problems of motion and movement and lead to pain. And from there, I started learning a little bit about the diaphragm and breathing and and why that's vital. And at the time, I was training to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I'd run several marathons, but I was really challenging my physical body. And again, as a physical therapist, you're taught to do stretching, scraping, rolling, all these different things to keep your body in great shape so that you can do these endurance feats. At the time, at that same time, I was, you know, running eight miles on a treadmill three times a week, fast pace, tempo runs, trying to get myself up to a high level speed to be able to run the race. And I started playing with my breathing and it wasn't just the breathing alone, but it was how I held my rib cage position. And when I paired change in my breath to this rib cage position, all of a sudden my aches and pains went away. And at first, you know, I got off the treadmill and like, okay, wait, I don't even feel like I ran eight miles at a seven minute mile pace. Didn't feel like it. I felt like I'd just gotten on the treadmill. And so I was a little bit shocked by it. Uh, okay. Did I just stumble on something or am I late to the game here and everyone else knows how to do this? So I started playing with it more, experimented on myself And I realized, okay, I was onto something. I stopped stretching. I stopped scraping. I stopped foam rolling. I stopped doing all these things that I was daily telling people to do to get themselves into better shape or more flexible. And so I had to do a lot of studying. Like, okay, what did I just stumble on? 
I realized I calmed down my fight or flight nervous system to release abnormal muscles that were contracting without my brain's awareness. Soon as I did that, everything went back to neutral. Everything was free-flowing. My body was free. It didn't have the pressure, didn't have the, the tightness, any of that. So then it became, okay, well, I did this while I was running on the treadmill. I can do it afterwards. How do I do this with other people, specifically people who are in chronic pain, people who are going into a surgery or just coming out of a surgery, runners, athletes, professional athletes, And that became my new journey. And I became very known for getting people out of the worst types of situations. And even people who had bone-on-bone knee arthritis that were scheduled for joint replacements, I became known for getting people out of those surgeries, even though they'd been in head pain for years. So it's a kind of a circuitous journey and how I stumbled into this process that I've been working on now since 2014. Wow. And so... Now your technique, P-A-B-R, stands for pain, what? awareness, breathing, relief. Okay, so I want to dive into that a little bit further. But like, what happened with the Boston Marathon? Well, we got to get to that because that's like the granddaddy of all marathons. And as I was driving, this is funny, as I was driving to my physical rehab session today, which I just came back from before we sat down together, I was thinking about Boston and all the fall, well, the fall marathons and how Boston's an outlier in the spring. So what happened for you in Boston? Did you make it to Boston? Absolutely. So the next marathon, that's kind of a funny story. So as I was training, I had done, well, I'd done an Ironman. Five weeks later, I did a hundred mile, 24 hour race. And then the, the next marathon I ran after that was two months exactly right after that hundred miler. And this is when I started implementing my ability to calm down my nervous system. And I ran the race. So um, a beautiful, um, beautiful race. And not not an easy one. I, for those that don't know, it's it's punishing in the beginning. The first like mile and change is all downhill. So you're really working your quadriceps and your legs pretty hard. And then, of course, I think it's legendary for the last four to five miles, which just brutal through the hills of Newton, Mass. So a great time, though. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, and it's actually funny because they you also don't know what the weather's going to be like there. So the first year I ran it, it was 40 degrees, rain, sleet, horrible winds. The next year was bright, sunny, bright, sunny. And then the fourth year I ran, it was horrible conditions, even worse, and they were considering canceling it. So besides the physical ups and downs, you have no idea what the weather's going to bring. And it will change overnight, too. Yeah, when I did Boston, the allergy season was intense. In fact, I, I usually don't suffer from allergies, but this particular season, it was so bad that I started to have some ill effects of it. And I did uh, the Marine Corps in D.C. That was my qualifying marathon. And that marathon, as soon as the cannon went off, it wasn't the gun, they used a cannon because it's the Marine Corps because they have to have a big, big thing to start the race. As soon as the cannon went off, the skies opened up. It was 45 degrees and raining the whole time. It was crazy. So uh, it, was, it was brutal. But uh, but Boston was on my list, you know, one of those like goal lists. And so I'm glad I did it. So, uh, so let's get into PABR. So many folks will know mindfulness, they'll know meditation. They might know of Wim Hof and the Wim Hof breathing method. 
uh, some people consider some of this like woo-woo. Some people are bought into it. There's a whole spectrum. So how is what you do maybe similar to some modalities that people may have experienced in the past? Or And also, too, I would love to talk about how is it different than what they may be used to? Because as an endurance athlete, we spend absolutely no time talking about our breath. Really, when you think about all the training programs and whatnot, like there's very little, it's all about output and wattage and speed and all that good stuff like that, more of a cycling vernacular for me. But we don't really talk about our breath at all. And so, yeah, I would love for us to dive in and like just what's the experience like? How is it similar or different than what many people might be used to? Yeah, I would say the similarity is in the the words breath work, relaxation, calming. That's that's the only place where it's similar to anything else. Gotcha. Everything else is goes completely against what you've ever been taught. Everyone I teach this to tells me it's counterintuitive. It goes against all the recommendations they've ever had. And then the next words are out of the mouth is this is the best I've ever felt. And I can't wait to continue. Because the experience of what I teach, it goes against this whole idea or chest out, shoulders back, suck up your gut, have a strong, tight core. It would go exactly opposite of that. I want your chest to go in, your ribs to go down, your belly to come out and let your ribs drop. So you release all the tension that you are unintentionally putting in your body. And so the type of breathing that we go through, it's based on your physiology. So we are looking at what is going on with your rib cage? Your rib cage determines how much you use your diaphragm. If your ribs are lifted up in front, your diaphragm is going to be flared out. So when your diaphragm walls are flared out, it's not going to support the dome dropping down to get air in. So when that happens, you have to lift your ribs up. When you lift your ribs up, now you're using other muscles that are going to tighten up. It's going to put you in fight or flight mode. So this whole concept of belly breathing is diaphragmatic breathing. I challenge people on that and say, no, it's not. You pushing your Mm. belly out to distend your abdominal contents and to extend your abdominal wall, that's not supportive of your diaphragm. If you want to support your diaphragm, the walls of the diaphragm need something to be against. And that is when your ribs are down in front and your side abs are helping pull them down. Now, when you provide that wall support, the dome of the diaphragm can drop down. You create a vacuum-like situation for air to be pulled in without using all these neck, back, shoulder, intercostal muscles to lift up your rib cage. And as soon as you shift to this type of breathing, you can feel muscles release throughout your body. And what happens then is your bones go back into a neutral position. Now all of a sudden they stop, tissue stop pinching together. You get rid of pain. The bones go back into neutral. Your muscles are now in the correct position. Now they don't feel tight. So many things happen. Once your muscles are back in neutral, now all of a sudden they can contract as they should. You can generate more strength, power, speed. It's exactly what I did to be able to run at a faster pace with no additional training. I just learned how to calm down my nervous system. And so you pair breathing with these body position changes, calm down your nervous system, your ability to perform improves, your ability to sleep improves pain goes away, all of these different things. Wild and radical because belly breathing, right, is quite popular on the internet. Everyone's seeing like, it's like everywhere, right? So 
you know, it's um, that might give you a, an allergic reaction by the sounds of it. So, so it does. I cringe. I imagine you do now that you've you've described this. So, so someone comes to you, they're in pain. They may or may not be an athlete because you're treating anyone who comes to you, right? So they're not necessarily training for the Boston Marathon. So I know you you do a proper eval and you going to sort of customize the approach, but how, how do you, how does it start? Can you walk us through like what a, a patient journey would be like? Because cer- certainly they're going to almost have to learn how to breathe differently all over again before they can take the application and put it into their sport if they happen to be an athlete. You have it exactly right. And it is a process. So let's say, Michael, you came to see me. We're going to go through your medical history, also any stress history, because a lot of what I do, I work with people who don't have pain as well and just have stress, anxiety, or trauma. But we're going to look at what makes you you, what physical things you have going on, what type of activities you like to do, also what mental, emotional, spiritual structures you have. And so we're going to then look at how do you move? I want to see how you walk, how you squat, how you bend over, how you reach. So I want to look at all of your daily activities. Then we'll go through the science of it and then get started. And so initially when we're working, first it's we got to get your body in a correct position so that your breathing mechanism can change. So a lot of types of breath work out there, they're fabulous. They do great things, they're a great tool for people, but they're teaching you a rhythm of breathing based on how you are currently positioned and they don't change that which is great if you want to stay in fight or flight mode and practice breathing in fight or flight mode. But if you want to make a radical change to your body, we have to change your body position first. So we go over how to sit and how to lie down. Then we change your breathing mechanism to pair with that so you feel your body relax. So step one is basically get general body relaxation by changing how you breathe and how you position your body seated and lying down. Typically, people need some time to practice that. They go away for a week, practice what we just went through. Then we start working on more customized to a person. If they have a certain pain, we're going to look at how do we get the back muscles to stop overworking so that they feel like their hamstrings or a certain thigh muscle to kick in to stabilize them without their back involved. Or they make a certain shoulder blade muscle to kick in So they learn how to reach without shoulder, neck, or head pain. So we're going to start to transition them. And we have to do it in a position that's not challenging. So maybe lying down or seated. Then we work towards how to change the way they walk and how to integrate this into running. So let's say you're in a 50-mile trail race. and mile 40, you start to have right knee pain, front of the kneecap. Okay? Well, okay. I know. I need to blow out, get my ribs down let my low back relax so my pelvis goes back to neutral and I will feel my hamstring when my heel hits the ground, stops the pressure on the front of the knee, pain goes away within a minute or two. And you can do this. And this is what I've done. I've taught other people how to do it too. And so that's how you can run long distances. Or let's say you're about ready to give a presentation to 30 people in your work. You start getting the sweaty hands, sweaty armpits, your breath starts racing. Okay, you know what? I'm going to stand here. I want to feel my weight on my heels. I'm going to blow out so my chest drops in. My belly comes out. I feel my rib cage drop. I just now anchored my ribs down so that as I speak and project, I am grounding myself through my breastbone. 
and I'm not using my back, which kicks in that fight or flight mode, which causes the sweaty palms, all of those things. So you can use it in different ways. Incredible. So I want to pull the thread a little bit more. And what I'll say first is that if people want to do this right, they should contact you and we'll get to the end of our chat with your contact information. But a lot of times like when we try something on, we want to we want to know how it's supposed to look and also how it's supposed to feel. And like I know when I'm, because right now I'm learning how to walk again, because for the first time in 20 years, I have full extension in my left leg. So I'm learning how to walk again with full extension because when I came out of surgery, I was still walking as if I didn't have full extension because I'd spent 20 years walking. Like, so that's, that's been a new thing for me. So I know we're on a podcast here, so we don't have video, but can you help folks visualize what it may look like to breathe in this way? And, and also then subsequent to that, just what it would feel like to them? Because I know a lot of people would say, well, we don't want to be breathing in a way where our shoulders are rising, right? So that's like, and so then the opposite of that, or just the alternative rather, is like the belly breathing that people talk about. So that's the common thing on the internet. It's like, don't breathe in such a way where your shoulders are rising, you should be breathing with your belly, your belly out. Um, so how does PABR uh, look and feel to someone? Sure. So when you're breathing, let's just imagine sitting. Okay. So when you breathe in, we want to breathe in the nose, directing the air to the throat instead of the chest or the belly. We want to direct to the throat as if you're filling up the throat. And then the air then goes into your lungs. Okay. So you're not lifting your rib cage up to breathe in. Your ribs are anchored down, especially the front lower ribs. They're anchored down and you breathe in and it feels like a vacuum. It feels like air is vacuuming in and you're not lifting up your rib cage. And then when you blow out, your chest drops in, your belly spills out, okay? And we want that because we want our ribs in front and on the sides to drop down and in where the side abs are helping pull those ribs down. And your belly button, we want that to relax out initially because when you suck that belly button in, your front of your ribs lift up. Now you're going to hinge off of your back. You're going to be in fight or flight mode. So we want to do the opposite. We want the ribs in front on the sides to drop down and be anchored down. So your belly is spilled out. So, and it's spilled out in a gentle way. It's not like you're shoving it out or pushing it out. It's just spilling out. It's not like you have a beer belly. It looks like, it looks like you have a pooch. And then when you breathe in, just let it stay that way. So the belly is relaxed out, but your side abs are holding your lower ribs down to anchor it so that you have a stable base for your diaphragm to suck air in. Ah, okay. For those yogis out there, there's a, a pose called cobra, which really just activates everything. But then if you really want to release some of the your your lower back, you can push up and just let your belly like relax out. It's a different type of st stretch, right? Different. You don't want to push your back forward. Yeah, okay. You want, we, that's because as soon as you, if you push your back forward and cr increase the arch in your low back, you're going to kick in your fight or flight nervous system. Ah, gotcha. So I'm, I'm glad you said something because I want to make sure that we, we have the correct visualization and I'm, I'm portraying it correctly because we want our body to 
be able to turn off the back. So as you blow out, the back relaxes backwards, almost as, as, as if it's flattening, and your belly relaxes forward. So instead of the hourglass where you're cinched off in the middle and closed off, we're opening it up. Ah, beautiful. All right. That's And then so how, I know every patient that you treat is a little bit different, but in general, how long does it take someone to adopt this new way of breathing? Some people are really good. Like some clients who can switch, switch within a couple of sessions. I break it down because you can't change the way you inhale until you've changed the way you exhale. We have to get your rib cage down during the exhalation so that you can learn how to change the way you inhale. If you try to start changing the way you inhale, but your rib cage is elevated, guess what? You're going to continue to breathe fight or flight mode. So I usually teach it over two sessions. Sometimes people can get it in two sessions. Sometimes it takes longer than that. Depends on how patterned a person is into fight or flight mode. Depends on how much abuse they've had, how much stress they have. There are a lot of factors that go into it. That's wild. So right now, it's like my conclusion is we have a whole bunch of people walking around in a very stressful last 19 months, which is already activating our fight flight, but breathing in a way that sort of adds logs to that fire, which is probably leading or at least contributing in part to some of the burnout feeling and just overall exhaustion that we're all feeling right now at this point in the year. And it's quite powerful. Sometimes I'm working with clients and we've been working for a while. They know how to breathe. They're calm. And then all of a sudden I'll see them again. And they said, I have pain. I'm having a crisis and I'll have them lie down and I watch their rib cage. And the thing that changed was their whole breathing mechanism changed. And they didn't notice it because they're in the middle of their crisis. And the way that they move their ribs to breathe, it's as if they've completely forgotten everything that we went over. And it only takes a few minutes to crack and say, okay, I want to point out to you, do you feel how your lower ribs are elevated? Do you feel that flare if you put your hands on your lower rib? If you can feel that flare and you feel a drop off from your ribs to your belly, you know you're in fight or flight mode. And as soon as they change that, just their rib cage position, the breathing changes, their pain goes away. I mean, literally within seconds. It's it's phenomenal how stress our rib cage position and our breathing mechanism are all intertwined. That is crazy and oh so wonderful. And you do this, I guess, through the pandemic, you're doing these consults through Zoom. Yes, absolutely. Clients all over the world. Wow. Literally everywhere, every corner. So this is fantastic. So Amy, thanks for sharing this. I, I do want to, the endurance athlete in me wants to pepper you with questions about all these endurance events that you've participated in because you've run over 40 plus marathons you've done a full Ironman you reference a hundred miler so do you have a favorite event out of all those I'll say my favorite event that I've done is I ran a marathon in Greenland up and down the fjords where you go up one fjord over the mountains and down into a glacial valley with icebergs all over I mean it was truly phenomenal it took me forever because I kept stopping to take pictures <laughs> But it was probably wow. the best experience ever. And there were local Greenlandic natives who were at the aid stations. I mean, they just had like a little table set up in the wilderness. And these, it was incredible. And you couldn't speak their language, 
but one of the ladies, I just gave her, a, she saw me going out at mile 16. And then as I was coming back in at mile, when I was 23 or whatever it was, she had her arms wide open for a big, huge embrace. And I just went up and gave her the biggest hug and we couldn't speak the same language, but it was so powerful. I was in tears. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best. That is so cool. You know, we're all energy anyway. That's how we usually communicate. So we've come up with language, but before language, it was all grunting and hugging and <laughs> body language and all that good stuff like that. So are you training for anything in particular now? As of right now, I'm not. I am focused. I'm going to Iceland in a couple months to photograph a volcano and go ice caving. So that's my focus right now. So just still running four to five miles every day just to kind of keep a baseline, but priorities right now. <laughs> Very cool. I think the trip to Iceland is going to be fantastic. I think I I saw a story on 60 Minutes about an active volcano there. So that it seems to be of much interest, not only to the locals, but to the aficionados that chase active volcanoes. So uh, I imagine that's, that's going to be a beautiful trip. When do you get to go to, on that? It's going to be in November. So looking forward to that, taking obviously my camera gear, hopefully get up on a helicopter to go up over the volcano as well. Oh, that'll be awesome. Ah, so good. So good. Well, I want to thank you for joining us and talking about your work. And I want to encourage everyone to contact you. I'm a big believer in the importance of breath, obviously from more of a mindfulness meditation practice, but also as an athlete. And again, we we spend very little time talking about our breath. You know, we, a lot of what we're taught is to do a belly breathe, right? So it's, 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 you know, breathing way out. So the, the gut comes way out, uh, exaggerated almost. So um, I mean, I'm fascinated to learn even more as we, you know, as we travel together through the rest of 2021. So how can people reach you if they wish to reach you? Sure. I like to give out my email Amy, A-M-Y, at paberinstitute.com, P-A-B-R institute.com. Please reach out to me. Let me know they heard me on your podcast and how I can help. I do free 15-minute consults. I can give them free resources, however I can best do that for them. Awesome. Well, Amy, thanks for joining us and talking about resilience and our breath. So enjoy your time in Iceland and uh, can't wait to see all those photos. Thank you. Hey, there's Michael and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Dr. Amy Novotny. I know I did. Since I sat down with her, I've been practicing her techniques and I can see the magic in PABR. As you may know, I am recovering from my total knee replacement. That surgery was essential with my case, not to get into it. But now that the surgery is over, I'm trying to do everything in my power to maximize that surgery because I don't like to go into surgery, but I know it's a tool that needs to be used from time to time. So now I'm using everything in in the toolbox, if you will, including my breath and her technique in order to maximize my functionality so I can get back on the bike and do that cross-country ride next year to celebrate 21 years since my last bad day. Now, if what Amy shared with you resonated, I'll put in the show notes her website, her contact information. She also has a few YouTubes. But instead of teaching yourself, I would recommend just directly reaching out to Amy and get her expert opinion on how you can use your breath, not only to become more resilient, but to promote your overall wellness. Because our health is, like our breath, something we take for granted. 
And we only really pay attention to it, most folks, when we lose it. So here's the thing. We can do things right now to enhance our health. And if we enhance our health, we can be even more resilient going forward. So as always, thanks for listening and sharing and subscribing. Until next week, if you have a challenging moment or two, if you trip and fall down, come back to your breath and know that you got this and we got you. And don't forget to have fun storming the castle. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Love you.